Uh, let's go before the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, in, in, in the midst of this Thanksgiving week, Lord, I thank you for, 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 for what you've done and who you are. I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we can come together, Lord, as, as one body, as one accord, Lord, uh, uh, not just in, in, in our location, Lord, but locations throughout America and across the world, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to commune with you today. And I pray, Lord, right now, Lord, that as I speak your word, that it will be your words that be spoken, Lord, not mine. I ask you, Lord, that I decrease, that you may increase in me, Heavenly Father, and allow me, Lord, to preach through the overflow, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that it will just overflow, Lord, through each one of us, Heavenly Father, and impact us not just for today, but for the days to come, Lord. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, because it will not return void. And then name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at elevate the recipe. And you can add the words for Thanksgiving. Elevate the recipe for Thanksgiving. Last week, we looked at elevating God's will, and we learned three principles. Uh, we'll review really quickly. Mark chapter 14, uh, we looked at what, what, what the life of Jesus, and we must commit to three things. One was walking with God. The other was surrendering our will to God's will. And then we have to also accept the outcome, which was part of the, the toughest one out of those three. Today, uh, we, I want you, us to see a small part of that will of God. You know, the will of God, which we'll see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the will of God, part of the will of God is thanksgiving, right? When you think of the will of God or what's the will of God for me, sometimes there's things in, in the Bible that really list out God's will, and one of those is thanksgiving. This week, we are going to celebrate thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is a day that we come together, and I know we've all done it before. You know, we come around the table and say one thing that you're thankful for, or we, we reminisce on things that we're thankful for for the past year or, or through our life. And, uh, you know, we, we've heard it said before, and I, and I want us to really soak it in today. Thanksgiving is not just once time a year. Thanksgiving in the Christian life should be a daily occurrence. It's something that we should constantly do. In prayer, part of prayer is thanking God, right? If we're in prayer, then we are demonstrating Thanksgiving giving on a daily occurrence. You know, like I mentioned earlier, we'll see this morning that God's will for our life is thanksgiving. You know, when you think about the day thanksgiving, we think about several things. You know, we think about the food, right? There's a lot of food at Thanksgiving. Food is great. I was telling my wife this week, I, I uh, kind of splurged a few weeks ago, and I had to get my, my weight back down just so I can gain weight back for Thanksgiving Day, right? I told her, I said, I got to lose the five pounds because I know I'm going to go and go in hard on Thanksgiving Day. And we say that every year. We're not going to overeat, right? We're not going to, 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 to have second and thirds and fourths, but we know we do, right? We know we have it on Friday and Saturday, and you got the turkey sandwiches on Sunday, and I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And then uh, the scraps left, you know, it's old, and the dog gets the, the remainder of it, which has gone in my house in about one second. But uh, uh, when you think about this week, what makes the food at Thanksgiving taste so good? Right? You see a turkey by itself? It's just that, a turkey. It's bland. It's really not flavorful, right, by itself. When you think about ham, ham is just that. It's just, just a ham with nothing else going into it. It doesn't taste 
very well. You think about the yams. I'm not a vegetable type of person. The yams, yuck. Without nothing else on them, they're disgusting, right? Or we've all had those mashed potatoes. The mashed potatoes did not have any butter or salt, and you're just like eating like a, a baked potato with no chives or sour cream on it. It's just bland. It's nasty, right? What makes the food at Thanksgiving taste so good? It's the ingredients, right? We, 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 when you think about the, 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 the turkey, right? We've all had dried, nasty turkey. I think about Christmas vacation where they cut open the turkey and the turkey kind of just explodes open and it's all dry and, 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 and nasty, right? The turkey is good because of the ingredients that are, are, is put in to the turkey. The mashed potatoes are good when there has a lot of butter and a lot of salt, things that we don't need, but they're so, so good, right? Uh, you think about yams, right? And the yams are so good. Yams are one of my favorite things. Yams, not, not just yams. You just got me yams. Yams are just, no. I'm talking about the candy yams with some marshmallows, some brown sugar on them. Am I making you hungry yet? You know, that is really good, right? But what, what makes the yam so good? It's the ingredients that goes into it. See, it isn't the food by itself at Thanksgiving. It's the ingredients that goes into the food. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to encourage you today that your Thanksgiving your thanksgiving isn't based upon uh, your circumstances, but it's based upon God over your circumstances, right? There's more things there than the circumstance. We have God that's over our circumstances. It's the ingredients in our thanksgiving. This thanksgiving will look a little different for some of us. Possibly, it will look different a lot, I think, for a lot of us, right? You know, we normally have the whole family come over. We normally have a a big meal and, and both sides of the family come over. And in my house, once we, we have eaten and we've, you know, uh, played with the kids a little bit and took our, our, our coma nap, right, for Thanksgiving, me and my wife go out and we kind of like hit the streets. We, we're one of those brave people, right? We go out and we'll, we'll go to Target and go to Walmart and uh, go to, to the mall and go do a little shopping, right, or a lot of shopping and kind of, uh, 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 you know, get our Christmas gifts and things like that going on. But Thanksgiving is going to look different for us. Let's be real for a minute. This Thanksgiving, we're going to miss some family. Some family are not going to be there. We're going to miss the shopping. If that's your thing, you're going to miss the shopping. Shopping's not going to be there. You know, I don't know about you, but this past week did not feel like the week hitting into Thanksgiving. It didn't. It didn't at all. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, the week, weekend before Thanksgiving, it, 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 you know, there's some festivities and things going on at work and church, and none of those things are happening. You know, to, to be real, though, nothing in 2020 has felt normal. Everything's been out of the ordinary. Things have been, been different. When you think about, about Thanksgiving, right, we think about the luncheons at work. We'll have a luncheon at work. That, that's not going to happen unless we cook our own food and do it through Zoom, right? <laughs> church, church potluck, not happening. We're not going to get it. And we joke around that second, third, fourth, fifth Thanksgiving meal, and some of us won't even get one Thanksgiving meal. And as I thought about all these things this past week, I was, I was convicted, heart weight heavy. And I was reminded that it's the ingredients in Thanksgiving that matters. It's God over our circumstances that matters. And can I, can I be honest with you for, 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 for a moment here? You know, this week, it was tough. You know, I got the, a, a, a phone call that my son's school is, is done for the year. They're going to go to the distant learning, but they're not going to have any interaction 
with kids at school because they shut down and San Bernardino Unified School for the entire year. They're not even have the possibility of even attempting if we get this thing under control of going back to school in the year 20, uh, school year 2020 and 2021. You know, I think about, and what broke my heart, I think about those high school seniors who didn't experience their, their, their senior year. All the senior activities that, you know, I, I, I enjoyed as a senior. You know, think about the dances and the graduation, you know, and grad night. And that broke my heart. It broke my heart. You know, think about the athlete. I was an athlete in school. And I remember that the feeling of playing your last high school basketball game. And I remember how that felt. And that senior did not get the chance to play that last basketball or football game. There's kids that needed the season to get that scholarship because they were on the bubble but never get the opportunity to show their skills. I thought about the eighth grade. My son's in seventh grade, and he has a lot of friends in the eighth grade. And I think about the eighth graders that totally miss out their final year of junior high. You know, I think about our elderly who this Thanksgiving are going to be isolated, some with no family, some with, with, with nothing going on and, and, and the heartache and the brokenness of our elderly. And it becomes a reality. And we go sit back, and it's really easy to sit back and think to ourselves, you know, all the laundry list that we went through right now, and the heartbrokenness and the heaviness that brings. And we can easily sit back and say, really, what is there to be thankful for in 2020? What is there to be thankful for? And again, I was convicted it's not about the day. It's about the ingredients that are put in to our Thanksgiving. Amen. See, we're in the midst of a pandemic that we thought was kind of dwindling off. I remember, you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, we got to get these testing up. And I went and tested myself knowing I was negative just so we can possibly get the opportunity to get business back open, schools back open, churches back open, Right. I don't even want to go step foot into a testing facility. There's way too much stuff going on, right? We thought we were on the right track. We thought the days of stay-at-home order were done and over with, that they were long gone in, 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 in the rearview mirror, and here we are on the verge of possibly going right back. And here we are fast approaching the end of 2020. Someone say amen. <laughs> but let's be real. It's been a trying. It's been a tired year. And we can sit back and say, what are we thankful for? What are we thankful for? And I started thinking about everything I'm thankful for and the things that I've learned not to be thankful for, and God convicted me. And he said, be thankful for, thankful for everything. And I was convicted. It's about the ingredients that goes into our thanksgiving. Amen? And if you know this by now, I'm not talking about Thanksgiving Day in four days. I'm talking about a lifestyle that we live by. I'm talking about our daily habits as Christians. And that habit, like I mentioned before, is Thanksgiving. Live a life of Thanksgiving. This morning, I'm not talking about Thanksgiving as a day. I'm talking about as, as a lifestyle. Let's define Thanksgiving real quick. The word Thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude, okay? We all know that. We all heard that. In fact, that's where the world stops at. The attitude of gratitude, they'll tell you. Thanksgiving is an attitude of gratitude, and they'll stop it right there. But let me tell you, the definition keeps going. 
Amen. The definition keeps going, and the definition says this, the expression of gratitude, especially to God. That's what it is. That's what Thanksgiving is. The, the, it is, it is the, the expression of gratitude, gratitude, especially to God. That's what our Thanksgiving is based upon. That's why we're thankful today in 2020. It's because of who God is in our lives. Amen? So this morning, let's elevate Thanksgiving because it's not about us. It's not about a day. It's not about our family. It's not about our circumstances or situation. It's about who? It's about God. It's about God. I want you to look at what Paul says in his final instructions to the church of Thessalonica. He lays out a recipe for Thanksgiving. I'm going to read out of the NIV, and then we're going to look at it in the Amplified Version, and we'll be looking at the Amplified Version from here on out. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting with verse 17 through 18. I'm sorry, verse 16 through 18. Very short. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We know that. The Amplified gives us a little more meat. Let's look at the Amplified. It says, be happy. And in quotation marks, it says, in your faith. And rejoice and be glad-hearted continually, which also means what? Always. Be unceasing in prayer, which is what? Praying perseveringly. Verse 18, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstance may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. These instructions that Paul is giving did not just apply to the church of Thessalonians. It's instructions that he's giving is also instructions for us today. They're part of our recipe for Thanksgiving. Amen? And the entire book, there's only five short chapters in 1 Thessalonians, we see the church having issues. And I want to see those issues because it's so easy for us to sit back and look at, at, at verse 16 through 18 and say, yeah, that's what Paul says. Life was easy for Paul, but we all know life wasn't easy. Oh, life was easy for the Thessalonians. Actually, it wasn't easy. Their life had difficulties. Our life had difficulties. So I want to dive into some of their difficulties right now. Verse uh, chapter one, verse six tells us that the, the church received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of, Paul writes, severe suffering. So we know that the, the, the church of Thessalonica experienced, Paul doesn't write just suffering. Paul writes that they experienced severe suffering for the message that they were being shared. What were they doing? They were sharing the gospel and they experienced persecution. They experienced suffering. Then he goes on in, in chapter two, verse two, Paul writes that, that they encountered bad treatment. He's talking about his treatment in Philippi. He says, they suffered there. Nothing was easy. It was tough. Right? Because we know this because Paul documents it. He tells also in, in, in verse 2, uh, he says that they, they, they encountered great opposition. So Paul himself also suffered, and he also had great opposition. We see in verse 14 of chapter 2, Paul tells the Thessalonian church that they suffered persecution from their own countrymen, which means it wasn't an outsider that was coming in and persecuting them. It was their own people that were coming in and persecuting them. 
Verse 18, Paul writes that his desire was to go to Thessalonica. His desire was to go to the church of the Thessalonians. He wanted to go. And it says in verse 18 that he tried again and again and again. But there was opposition. He writes that Satan, Satan prevented him from going to them. So he wrote them. Opposition, troubles. Finally, we see in, in, in chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, And to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through, but you know that we are destined for such troubles. He says we're going to face troubles. He says even while we were with you. Paul says even while he was with the church of the Thessalonians. He says we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did as you well know. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, you're dealing with troubles. You're dealing with circumstances. You're dealing with situations. Life wasn't easy. It was tough. And Paul lays out in his final closing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, he lays out the ingredients of thanksgiving. He lives out a lifestyle that the Thessalonian church can live off of. He lays out a lifestyle that we can also apply for our lives as well. And I, I'm not, I, I would say not should, we, we, we definitely should apply it to our lives as well. Going back to verse 16, it says this, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad hearted continually, always. The first thing we do, the first recipe we have in Thanksgiving is the attitude of joy. We have to have an attitude of joy. Paul tells the Thessalonians, he says, rejoice, have joy. He says, be happy, right, in your faith. He didn't say be happy in your circumstances. It's in your faith. Your faith trumps your circumstances. Amen. He says, be happy in your faith. See, when we think about rejoicing, we always think about happy things, right? We rejoice when our team wins. My, my Los Angeles Lakers won. Our Dodgers won, right, in 2020. We rejoiced, Right? We rejoiced, we were happy, but you know what? When they were defeated, when the Dodgers lost the last two or three World Series, I think, I mean, everybody was ready to trade everybody, right? Kershaw gone and all the other Dodgers. I can't name them all because I'm not a baseball guy, but they wanted to, to trade them all, right? They were upset. They didn't rejoice in defeat. We don't rejoice in defeat, but we rejoice in victory. When we have birth, when we give birth, we rejoice in birth. We mourn in death. When we rejoice, when we get good news, when we get bad news, we're troubled, Right? There's, there's, there's sadness for bad news. And this year, we haven't had much to rejoice for when you think about it. See, but that's not what Paul tells us. He says that we should what? Always rejoice. Always rejoice. And this was a common theme that Paul always preached upon was the joy. Joy, where's your joy founded at? He says rejoice always. Regardless of the situation, find joy. He says in Philippians 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And we know the scripture. And it says, I will say it again. He says, rejoice, exclamation mark. That means he doesn't say rejoice in the Lord always, right? You used to, song, you used to sing that song, you know, back in the day. Rejoice in the Lord always. How's it going? And, and I can't remember it, right? And the, uh, uh, again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And say, again, I say rejoice. That's all you get in Austin. No more, no more singing. See, I don't even know the lyrics. <laughs> but Paul instructs the Philippians. He instructs the Thessalonians. 
He instructs new life. He instructs you and me that we must find joy always. Joy always. That means we rejoice in the happy, and guess what? We rejoice in the sad. That means we rejoice in victory, and we rejoice in defeats. We rejoice regardless of our situation is because we're not rejoicing in our situation or circumstance. We're rejoicing in who our God is. Amen? That's who we rejoice in. We rejoice in pandemics. We rejoice in pandemics. We rejoice in isolations. We rejoice in persecution. We rejoice in lockdowns. We are told that we are to rejoice always. Verse 16, how do we do it? He says, be happy in your faith. That means not happy in your circumstances. He said, happy in your faith, happy in who your God is, joy in who your God is. Think about Habakkuk, prophet. He had given a vision that left him shaken. And this, it, this really exemplifies what Paul's talking about. He writes in, in, in Habakkuk chapter 3, starting with verse 16, he says, I trembled inside. This is when he got his vision. He said, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. He says, I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. They were going to be invaded. Judah was going to be invaded. And look what disaster was going to come. He says in verse 17, even though the fig trees have no blossom and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns, he says, are empty. Look what his response is. Look at his responses. This should be our response. He says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Amen. He says in verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as a a sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Despite everything that was going on in his life, despite the glimpse that God showed him, he says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rejoice. He had empty barns. He had empty fields. He was going through a pandemic when you think about it, and he decided to rejoice. Amen. Despite the losing of the crops, despite the fields being empty, despite the cattle barns being completely gone, Habakkuk received the gift of joy. What did he do? He adopted the attitude of rejoicing. He adopted the attitude of rejoicing. Every instinct instinct in him cried out for grief. How do I know that? Because the same thing happens to us. Every instinct in me this week cried out for grief. Sounds like us in 2020. Every instinct in us cries out for grief for what we've been through these last 11 months. It cries out of being uh, uh, tired. It, cry, it cries out of being weary. It cries out of being frustrated. It cries out for being hurt with pain. And just like Habakkuk did, we must adopt the attitude of rejoicing over our natural instinct, which is to cry out in trouble and pain and, 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 and all these other things we experience. It's to go above and beyond that and find the attitude of joy. The object of his joy wasn't the cattle. The object of his joy wasn't, wasn't the fields. The object of his joy, which he said was what? God of my salvation. There's nothing to be happy about with empty barns. There's nothing to be happy about with empty fields. There's nothing to be happy about with losing crops. But he says, listen, all that's going to happen, and my joy still rests in God of my salvation. 
Think about it. You know, abundance of cattle, abundance of figs, abundance of grapes or olives. That would be nice, right? That, would, that gets us excited, right? Just like I told you, our winning team, we get excited. We start rejoicing for the winners, right? When things are coming in, everything is good. It's easy to sit back and say, oh, yeah, I rejoice in the Lord. And then pandemic hits and we're like, oh, oh dang, we're, we're, what's going to happen, right? And we lose our joy. Why? Because our, our joy was founded on tempor- temporary things. It needs to be founded on the rock who is our God, amen? See, the abundance is all temporary things. His joy didn't rest in the temporary, but his joy rested in the everlasting. So when the abundance didn't happen, what did he do? He rejoiced. When the crops are gone, what did he do? He rejoiced. When the cattle was gone, what did he do? He rejoiced. When people were invading his country, he rejoiced. Why? Because as Paul wrote in verse 16, he decided to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice, right? His joy was in his faith. When we look at the year we have lived, what we're currently living in, we haven't had much rejoicing. To be honest with you, it's because our joy has been on our circumstance and not on our God. And I'm telling you that from experience because I find myself in the same boat. I may be up here today speaking to you right now. Does it mean that I don't deal with things on a daily basis because as God spoke to me this week he says hey listen your joy you're letting your joy be affected by your circumstance you're letting your joy be affected by your situations you're letting your joy being affected by the world around you and he says hey bring up your eyes look at me forget about the circumstance forget about the situation I am your God and you shall rejoice amen that's important church so you can rejoice this Thanksgiving. You can rejoice this Thanksgiving. You can find joy every single day, regardless of what's happening around you, because your joy isn't based in your circumstances. Your joy is based on God. Let me tell you, your circumstance may change. Your circumstances constantly change. Your situations constantly change. But you know who doesn't change? That's God. That's God. God does not change. The Bible tells us that he is the same today, tomorrow, and forever, which means he does not change. In the midst of turmoil, Paul can find joy. In the midst of destruction, Habakkuk can find joy. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a lonely thanksgiving, in the midst of, a desi- of, of, of an undesirable conditions, in the midst of lockdowns, guess what we can find? We can find joy. If Paul can find it in destruction, if Habakkuk can find it in destruction, guess what? You and I, we can find joy in our thanksgiving. Amen? And we have to rejoice in that. It's, it's in our faith, not in our circumstances. That's why Paul writes to the Thessalonians. That's why he writes to the Church of Philippi. See, part of, our, our, of elevating Thanksgiving is elevating God. I believe as Nathaniel said it a few weeks ago on one of our, our, our podcasts or when she was preaching, she says we must get a heavenly perspective on earthly things, right? How do we rejoice? We got to have a heavenly perspective on, earthly day, on earthly things. Things are going around us are, are, are earthly, right? There are situations of problems in this life, but we need to elevate our perspective, Right? And get a heavenly perspective on earthly things. First recipe is rejoicing. 
Second one found in verse 17. Verse 17 says, be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly. Second thing we need to adopt is an attitude of prayer. We got to have an attitude of prayer. Second ingredient is prayer. Paul says in verse 17, he says, to pray without ceasing. Always pray. Never stop praying. We touched on prayer a few weeks ago, and can we say, we'll touch your prayer again? Absolutely, right? Just because I talked to my wife once doesn't mean I don't talk to her for the rest of the time we're married, right? Because otherwise we won't be married very, very much. Well, she does most of the talking anyways, but, you know, we got we to gotta listen up, <laughs> talk a little bit here, right? <laughs> How can we have an attitude of thanksgiving? It's when we are in constant communication with God. Amen. And the avenue, and one of the avenues that he gives us is what? It's prayer. It's prayer. You, you think, think about earlier on, the first, uh, first four chapters in First Thessalonians. What allowed the Thessalonian church to be connected to God? It was being in prayer, as Paul suggested. It was them being an attitude of prayer. Pray, what, consistently, right? Never ceasing, constantly praying. What allowed them to overcome their problems? Prayer. They were in constant communication. When, when we have troubles or whatever, and me and my wife are going through things, what allows us to get through that trouble? Not, 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 not talking. I mean, that, that, that's, that's for sure. You don't talk, you don't get the problem solved. It's the com- constant communication we have that solves that problem. See, it's not just the attitude of rejoicing. Because a lot of us say, okay, I'll, I'll rejoice. But I won't pray. Pray. No, it's, it's an ingredient, right? You leave out the brown sugar and the yams, they're nasty, right? We can't leave out prayer out of our thanksgiving. It's part of our thanksgiving. You know, and prayer isn't just about stopping what we're doing, folding our hands, bowing our heads, closing our eyes, right? We always think about that. When we think about prayer, we think about somebody sitting down with their hands folded, you know, eyes closed and head bowed. That's prayer, but that doesn't accompany all our prayer life. That should be a very small portion because let me tell you that I, I very seldomly close my eyes, bow my heads, and fold my hands when I pray. Very seldomly. Why? Because I'm praying all other times. We live in an active lifestyle. And you can sit there for two hours like that, great, do it. Pray. But what Paul said was pray constantly. It means it never stops it never ceases, continues on. Prayer is about being in constant communication with God. There is a, never a time where we can honestly say, I didn't have an opportunity to pray. What do you mean you didn't have an opportunity to pray? Did you just drive here today? Yeah, well, you had an opportunity to pray. Did you take a shower today? I hope so, right? Or last night, maybe, right? You had the opportunity to pray, right? Did you have breakfast this morning? Well, as you're chewing, right, turn off the tube and pray a little bit, right? You have the opportunity to pray. And when we say things like that, well, I didn't have an opportunity to pray, then what what we're doing is we're we're saying, well, I didn't have the opportunity to bow my head, close my eyes, and, and fold my hands, and therefore I didn't have an opportunity to pray. What we're saying is we don't have a prayer life. It's harsh, but it's real. Because if you think prayer is in company, just folding your hands, bowing your heads, closing your eyes, then you don't have a prayer life. Because prayer never stops. 
We need to learn how to pray. Paul instructs us to what? Always pray. You know, in, in my life, when, when I drive or when I used to drive, I don't drive to work anymore because work is downstairs, right? So I just go downstairs and hop on the computer, right? I, I, I would pray. I would love my commute just to get one-on-one with God, right? No kids. The radio's off, right? Because my kids come in and they're like, you know, can we put Gavi on? They don't want to hear nothing. That I'm, I'm, you know, they just want to listen to Christian hip-hop, which I love, right? But they want the radio on. I would rather have the radio off and just commute with God. When, 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 when I take a shower, I pray, right? When I lift weights, I pray. And it's not, Lord, let me lift this amount of weight. It's not that either, right? But I pray. I go before the Father, right? And, I'm, and, 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 and it's not just, I'm not praying for the whole 60 or, 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 or uh, 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 90 minutes that I'm working out. It's, it's, it's I'm praying. That's never ceasing, right? I go for a jog. I, I know I don't look like a jog. But let me tell you, I, I love to go out for a jog. And just go one-on-one with God and pray, right? If you have grass, I don't. I have weeds. But if you have grass, right? And I'll tell you what, when I'm pulling those weeds, it's hard to pray, right? <laughs> but you, you know, mow the grass, you, you, you pray, right? I hate washing cars, but if you're washing your car, pray. I sit there at my desk at work, at, work, at home, working, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm just constantly praying. If I can leave my earphones on, listen to music, and all the distractions, I, I would, but I can't because I got a four-year-old and a 12-year-old that's like a four-year-old at home. And I can't do that, right? But I pray. You see the concept? You get it, right? Prayer doesn't stop. You know, the best example of this I, I, I think about, I don't know if she's watching now, if she is. My grandma's going to be, uh, I believe, 95 years old in two weeks. And um, if she's watching this, hi, Grandma. She'll watch Facebook Live, which is pretty awesome. I'm pretty cool. I'm like, I have a 95-year-old grandma who's actually active on Facebook. You know, we have like a 95-year-old grandma that, that has a Facebook account. My, my grandma's actively watching, right? So you see a Melba Kingsland. That's my, that's my grandma. She was one of the best examples of praying constantly. And as, as a young kid, I remember uh, vividly... Uh, I hopped in the car. I think my sister was sick. I think she was watching us. And I hopped in the car with her in the front seat. And I remember she took off and, and she was just mumbling, I thought, just underneath her breath. And if I was riding with my wife, I would think that, you know, she's probably cursing somebody out, you know, on the roadway. <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> she's probably not. <laughs> but I was like, what is my grandma, what's my grandma doing? And I remember I couldn't make out a word and she was just, you know, underneath her breath. And I thought about that. I remember my, my, when my parents came home and I asked them one day, I said, you know, I went with grandma to the, to the store and she was just kind of mumbling underneath her breath. And I thought, you know, maybe grandma had lost it. She was watching us, so she might have, right? <laughs> I probably went with her because I was probably the bad one and my sister stayed home, right? <laughs> she couldn't leave all of us together. It's a toxic situation. <laughs> so I remember that and my parents said, you know, honey, she's not mumbling. Grandma's praying. She always prays. So whenever you, you, you hear that whisper, it's that constant prayer. You know, and as I've grown older, I, I, I totally respect that. That's pretty awesome to have that example of someone that just constantly prayed, constantly prayed while driving. I remember driving to Food for Less around the corner. It was just a mile down the street, and I just heard her just praying, 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 praying. 
You know, over this quarantine, I've been with my children 24-7, so I need a lot of prayer. <laughs> a few months ago, my, my baby girl, Haley, she's four years old, and I was sitting at my desk, and my desk faces the wall, and she comes running in there, and I was just one of those things, like, like my grandma, just praying. And she heard me, which is an amazing fact, because she heard me, but if it told my kids to do their chores, they don't, Right? I was gently whispering in my office, and she comes running, and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, baby girl, I'm praying. She goes, you're praying? And I said, yeah, I'm just praying to God, just communicating with God, just communing with God. And she's like, oh, okay. I don't know if she, you know, got the, the gist of it or, or not, but I'm like, that, that's what it's about. It's about just taking the time. We're, 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 we're up anyways. We got to constantly pray. It's, a, it's, it's an important ingredient in Thanksgiving. You don't commune with God, guess what? Forget about the Thanksgiving. You're missing an ingredient, you know? And you wonder why your, your, your life is just a bunch of nasty yams. Well, you forgot, again, the brown sugar, which is prayer, right? We got to get into prayer. It's only through the ingredients in prayer that we can attain true Thanksgiving. Lastly, verse 18 to thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstance may be. Be thankful and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. The third attitude we must accept is the attitude of actually thanksgiving. The attitude of thanksgiving. Paul tells us to rejoice. He tells us to pray continuously. And he says, he says give thanks in what? In everything and all of it he says give thanks why because paul said so no because it was the will of who god it's god's will for our lives give thanks in all circumstances you know what's interesting though is we skip a very big word in there yeah no, the word's not circumstance just let you know <laughs> the big word we skip over is in in, he says. Give things in all circumstances. You know, this week when we sit across the, the table or, or as we're thinking about Thanksgiving, we think about thanking for, not thinking in. We thank for. I th I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for, for my job. I'm thankful for my car and my house and my kids. And we keep on you know, going on and on and on. And all of that is great stuff. It's good stuff, right? We always have an attitude of being thankful for. That's, that's absolutely, it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a great thing. Let's do it because we need to be thankful for everything, right? But he says, thank God in everything. Amen. So you automatically think, thank God for everything. Notice thanking God in the midst of everything. She's not a suggestion. Paul tells us that it's, what, it's God's will for our lives to think in the circumstances. Let me tell you, how many of us lost our Thanksgiving in our current situation? How many of us lost our Thanksgiving in a financial crisis? 
How many of us lost our Thanksgiving in a relationship crisis? How many of us lost our Thanksgiving in a health crisis? How many of us lost our Thanksgiving in all circumstances? Paul says that we are to be thankful in every situation and circumstance. That means when it doesn't feel like rejoicing, you still rejoice. When you don't feel like praying, you still pray. When you feel like you don't want to think, you still think because it's not for, it's in. When we go through the valley, we're in the valley, we are to become thankful in the valley. When we get to the mountaintop, we got to be thankful, which is so much easier than the valley in the, 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 the mountaintop. But we got to be thankful in everything in between the mountaintop, whether you're ascending or descending, he says to be thankful in the circumstances. In, he says, the bad, the good, the ugly, we are to give thanksgiving in the circumstance. Psalm 717 says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness and justice. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. Ephesians 520, again, Paul, Church of Ephesus, he says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in everything. Let's switch that around. It takes our four for our in. We can be thankful for blah, 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 but we need to be thankful for, uh, thankful in a pandemic, thankful in COVID-19, right? Thankful in loss, thankful in gain, thankful in over every single situation and circumstance because we are thankful in who? God, right? We're thankful for God, but we need to be thankful in God. It's different. It's different. Thanksgiving isn't just in the good, it's sometimes in the bad. But Thanksgiving is, a uh, is something we must make a lifestyle. A lifestyle. It goes back to rejoicing. We can give thanks in whatever we go through, not because of the circumstance or situation, but because of God who is in charge of that circumstance and situation. Oh, how we lose sight of that. We lose sight of who God is. We lose sight that God is still on the throne. We lose sight that God is in your circumstance, in your situation, in your crisis. He's in it with you, right? Think about, about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? When he was thrown in the fire, and they were thrown in the fire to die, right? In the fire, inside the fire, God was with them. When you think about that, it's in our fire that God is with us. When we think about that, God will come out the other side. You don't see him walking into the fire, but he's in the fire waiting for us. It's when we walk out of the fire that God is is there and he says, look it, there's four of you in there because God is in your midst. Amen? Oh, man. Praise God. Give thanks in all situations, circumstances, the blessing, the increase, the lack of, the without, the abundance, and everything in between. He says, give thanks in it. Amen? Whew. I tell you, this morning we've seen Paul write to the church of Philippi. We've seen Paul write to the church of Thessalonica. We've seen Paul write to the church of Ephesus. And this morning, we saw Paul write to the church of me and you. Amen? NLCC, New Life Community Church, church represent worldwide, right? It doesn't matter what church you belong to. As long as you belong to the body of Christ, he wrote to you. And he says, you know what? Rejoice. He says, pray. He says, and in all circumstances, situations, he says, give thanksgiving. We want a good Thanksgiving, right? We always want a good Thanksgiving. 
It's not sitting around today. It's sitting around who God is in our lives. And that's why we can elevate the recipe to Thanksgiving. It's because what he has written in his book. Promises don't go void. The word of God does not go void. Amen? That's powerful when you think about it. You know, this, this week, just like this has, has, has impacted my life, let me tell you, this week carry that. Thanksgiving isn't, isn't a day. It's not about your situation. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about the daily COVID count. It could be 20%. It could be 100%. But guess what? We rejoice in our God anyways. Yes. Right? We rejoice and give thanks in the current situation and crisis. And we continue on praying. Right? Because God is still God. That's the number we can't forget. We look at all these other numbers, and they all look horrible. But we have to must remember that God is still God. He's still on the throne, and that's the number that matters. Stand with me as we close in prayer. I challenge you to heed the teachings of Paul this morning, and let's apply it to our lives, and let's share it with a friend. The world needs, needs hope. We got the keys to unlock the door, Right? Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, for your word, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've encouraged us and you've been impactful on our lives, Heavenly Father, through the word, Lord, of what Paul wrote to his church. Lord, we're his church. We're your church. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we just don't put this to the side and say, yeah, that was a good sermon, and yeah, I got to do this and do that, but we make it a lifestyle, Lord. Lord, I pray for the one that feels isolated, the one that feels alone, the one that feels forgotten, Lord. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, right now that you just minister to them right where they are at in their circumstance. I ask you, Lord, that you will provide them with thanksgiving. You provide them with rejoicing. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, right now that you do a work in our lives. Encourage us, Heavenly Father, as who knows what we're going to face this week but we can face you instead, looking up to your throne. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, for the one today that's been struggling, Lord, the one that feels brokenhearted, the one, Lord, that feels disconnected from you. I pray right now, wherever they may be, whether it be here in this building or whether it be somewhere else at home, I pray, Lord, that, 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 that they, they will have the peace, Lord, that surpasses all understanding. They don't know where it came from. They have peace today, Lord. I pray for the one that, that, that has, has backslidden, Lord, or the one that is not, is not doing what, what they know they're supposed to be doing, or the one that doesn't even know you. I pray that today they found salvation because that's where our hope is. Salvation is in our God. Our hope is in our God. And I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to protect us as you've done, Lord, week in, week out. Be with us. Bring us back safely next Sunday so we can commune together. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. amen. If you need prayer in the house, come on up. If you need prayer online, text us, give us a call, shoot us an email, send us a message through Messenger, and uh, we'll get back to you and we'll bombard heaven's door with you. God bless you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week.